So I did some counting today. At the end of next week, we'll have 11 chapels in for the semester, and that's a quarter of the chapels. So I'm, I want to encourage you that you may want to look at the portal to see where you are in chapel attendance, and if you're already four or five down, uh, you might want to pay attention to that so you're not in trouble later. But I was reviewing the chapels, and I think we've had a pretty good start. I thought Sean was incredible during Summit Week. He did a great job bringing the word to us. And then the Friday of Summit Week, when we, had, when we had the Praise and Worship Chapel, our student body chaplains, Dylan and Casey, did a great job. I mean, Casey summed up Sean's messages in five minutes without notes impeccably. And I thought that was amazing that she had that kind of memory. And then Dylan talked about how to apply it personally. So that was really good. And uh, Garrett Howell spoke earlier in the week and just brought the word with great power. Next week, next week... Um, Monday is Dr. Jim Lowe. He's incredible. He's a great guy. You'll be blessed by him. Yeah. On, yeah. On Wednesday, we have an incredible speaker, my wife. I, th I think she's amazing. I'm going to be sitting right there taking notes. And then on Friday, the terrific Dr. Amanda Drury is speaking next week. And that'll be a quarter of the way through the semester. And as I were reviewing, you say, wait a second, you skipped Wednesday. And I did skip Wednesday when Dr. Newman and Dr. Crusoe and Dr. Hill and I were up here in a panel. Uh, I tell you what, remember how we started that time? I began to talk about this idea of having critical conversations and talking together about sometimes challenging things. And I said, this is the first time we've done this under at least my watch. And we didn't know how it was going to work and that it might bomb. And we weren't sure how that it would turn out. But if it bombed, we would try to do it better. And if it went really well, that we would try to do it better. So we talked. And then we've been listening. And I want to talk about that a little bit. The title of this chapel, if you look at the chapel posters, and I don't know if you ever do, is Echoes of Grace, because we were talking about grace on Wednesday, and we didn't know how much we needed to talk about it today, but it turns out we need to talk about it a little bit. We talked a little bit on Wednesday about human sexuality and, and our expectations here at IWU about how we live, and then we turned our conversation to hospitality, how to treat each other when we're different. Sometimes those differences might be something we can't do much about, our, our gender, men and women, or our culture identity, where we're from, th those kind of things that have shaped us. Sometimes we, we, we need to figure out how to talk to each other just in areas we disagree, whether it's in politics or in biblical values. And um, we did our thing for that 40 minutes. And now we've listened for a couple of days to see what you thought about it, because we have been listening. And you know what we found out? Some of you were really positive. Some of you said, well, thank goodness we're finally starting to talk about stuff like this, and you loved what we did. And some of you were relatively critical. You didn't like what we did. For some of you, we weren't straightforward enough. You felt like we were kind of tiptoeing around the issues, using the letters LGBTQ, 
Instead of just saying lesbian or gay or bisexual or transgender or whatever Q means. And by the way, depending on where you are in the whole discussion, it can mean different things. Back in the 90s when those letters were first starting to be used, Q stood for queer. And then that became a pejorative kind of thing and it became questioning. But now in in the community... uh, the first word is starting to be used more to describe people who are just um, outside of the dominant narrative of society. So I'm not sure exactly what Q means. But I also know that there are some other letters that are being used in the conversation now. But we talked just a little bit about our behavior and our expectations. And some of you felt we were being too cautious. You know why? It's probably because we were being cautious. We're trying to be very careful not to say anything offensive. We're trying to be very careful to be grace-giving. It wasn't due to a lack of conviction, but it was due to a desire to get it right as we navigate relational waters and at the same time hold biblical convictions. Some of you just simply disengaged. For some of you, it's because you don't like panels. We heard that. And quite honestly, some of you are just disengaged most of the time. I, I, I can identify, I was pretty much that guy uh, when, when I was a student. Um, somebody yacked about Dr. Newman getting in another fishing joke. And somebody yacked, so you're still saying that I'm wrong and how I believe and what I practice. We landed in a lot of different places when it came to our response to chapel. And I want you to know something. I am completely okay with that. We didn't start out Wednesday to solve a problem. We started out, we, we, we did Wednesday to start a conversation. You know, if you go to a movie, there's a clear beginning, something that sets up some kind of crisis to be solved or some kind of riddle to be worked through, something that grabs your attention. And then the story builds throughout the movie to, to, to some kind of climactic event before the movie ends with some kind of resolution. We had a theater professor I was talking to who said students were going in for a movie and got the first episode of a miniseries. And she's right. We didn't land the plane on Wednesday. We began a conversation that we hope will continue on, not just through this semester, but the next semester and the semester after that and the semester after that. And as long as you're a student here, we hope to be talking about tough questions in effective ways. What I want is for us to do that better and better and better. So what do we do right now? I'm going to ask a favor of you. I want you to get out your cell phones right now. And if you have a text app on your phone, and if you have a smartphone, you've got to have a text app of some kind. I want you to go to the text app, and I want you to answer this question. Now, before you answer, I want to explain it a little bit to you. What are the hard conversations our community or you think our community needs to have about cultural, societal, and global issues? What are the hard conversations we need to have? But notice it says text a short descriptive answer. We've paid for about a 1,000 answers to come in. And somebody was in chapel beforehand when we showed this screen and began to type out questions and gave us like enough stuff that it took up five texts all at once. So we don't need an explanation. We just need a topic or two. So I'm going to give you this. There's the number, 650-246-0127. 
We'll take the first thousand responses and we'll let you know what, some, what those are. And I'm going to shut up for two or three minutes and give you a chance to do this, then I'll come back up. Got it? Go. So here's the deal. I know college students are capable of multitasking. If you're not done, keep doing that. Uh, don't keep coughing, but keep doing that. I know you can eat pizza and do homework and watch Netflix and talk to a friend all at the same time. So, so I'm going to go on, and if you're still texting, you text. Uh, I just want to talk to you for a couple minutes and not a lot longer than that about one snapshot in the life of Jesus. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Luke chapter 15. It is the story of the lost sheep that the shepherd goes and finds and the lost coin that the lady turns her house upside down to find it and the lost son. It's often called the prodigal son. I often look at that section as the lost sons because I think both sons, the prodigal who ran away and wasted his life and wasted his possessions was lost. I think the son who stayed home and followed all the rules but had a lousy attitude about it had lost the father's love as well. But I don't want to talk about the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost sons. I want to talk about the two verses that set up that discussion that that you see at the very beginning. And this is what it says. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I want to identify the players in this drama. First of all, there are the Pharisees, the religious leaders. These were guys who were really serious about religious law and the oral traditions. I mean, in the second century AD, they took all the oral traditions and wrote them down. And it was a book that was about 5,000 pages long. Everybody knew you had to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But the question was, what does it mean to keep it holy? What does it mean to do no work? And tradition after tradition after tradition after tradition was layered up. And the Pharisees, they were dead serious about it. They were serious about purity. They were serious about keeping the law. They, a lot of scholars think that they believed that if only Israel would keep the law better, the Messiah would come and deliver them. And so they were all about ritual purity. And then there's this other group there. And they're identified as tax collectors and sinners. Do you know why they were called sinners? Because they were. Now, some of them were called sinners by the Pharisees just because they didn't obey all the little minute parts of the law. Some of them were pretty sinful themselves. They didn't measure up. They made choices that led to estrangement from God and criticism and estrangement from the religious leaders. So you got the Pharisees who were all about righteousness and the rules. And you got the sinners who felt like they were outcasts because they were. They'd been disenfranchised by the religious leaders. And then there's Jesus. And the thing I see as you go through the Gospels is when Jesus is interacting with with sinners, they tend to be leaning in. They tend to be interested in what he has to say. They, They... tend to be intrigued by his words. They can scarcely believe they matter. 
The Pharisees, on the other hand, seem to be leaning back. We don't have any photographs of those days. They didn't have cameras back then. But in my mind, arms are crossed, body posture is closed. There's a scowl on their face. I think we can guess there's a scowl on the face because they're muttering and complaining about Jesus quite frequently. They accuse him of being a friend of sinners. They accuse him of welcoming sinners. They accuse him of being willing to have table fellowship, to have a meal with sinners, which when you had fellowship with someone around a table, it was a statement of acceptance of them. Jesus didn't seem to be all upset, that upset about the people who violated the religious taboos. In fact, it, the religious leaders got so upset with him that they began to look for ways to accuse him, that they were always complaining about him. So you got the sinners who are leaning in, and you've got the religious leaders who are leaning back. And what was the posture of Jesus? I think it was arms wide open. I think it was come to me, all of you who are weary and loaded down with life's cares. Let me give you rest. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn my thing. It was Jesus who welcomed sinners. Now, be clear, Jesus himself was not a sinner. He didn't condone sin. He took sin seriously. He went to the cross because of it. But he hung out with sinners. And he had conversations with sinners. They were important to him. He eventually went to the cross for all of us who are sinners. And the Pharisees were scowling at Jesus because of it. I want us to understand something today. Jesus is not just our Savior. Jesus is our model. He's not just someone who died to cleanse us from sin. He's someone whose life modeled values that he would want us to model as well. Can you be friends with someone who thinks differently than you? Can you be hospitable? Can you be kind? Can you be respectful? Can you have a conversation without arguing? Can you be dispensers of grace, not just users of it, not just saying I need to be forgiven, but you and I radically, maybe you with someone, you and I radically disagree, but let's talk about it because you still matter to me as a person. Can you do that? My prayer is that you can. Because if we're screaming at each other, we don't hear each other. If we don't listen, we can't understand each other. And if we do that, we miss the heartbeat of Jesus. Who came to us while we were still sinners. Loved us so much that he gave, to, gave his life for us. It says, just come to me. My prayer for you is that you will be people who will listen. That if you're on the side of all the rules and all the rules and all the rules and follow every rule and you look at other people and say, what's wrong with them? That you be gracious to them. And if you're on the side that says, oh, I just do what I want to do and those guys are hypocrites, you'll be gracious to them. And that together we'll become a community 
known for our capacity to give grace and to have conversations that move us both forward in understanding this world and that honor Jesus. Can I pray for you? Lord Jesus, this is a really short chapel. But I don't know that we need any more than this today. You were an incredible grace giver. You gave the invitation to come to the Pharisees who were burdening people down with laws. You gave the invitation to people who were serious about the law but just felt overwhelmed. You gave the invitation to people who had rejected the law. You just said, come. You offered grace to those who were legalists and grace to those who'd run from whatever was legal. And you just said, come. I would pray that you would help your servants, us, today, to be amazed by your grace and to give each other room to be different, to disagree, to say it wrong, to take a misstep, and yet to still be in the arms, in, in, in the circle of conversation with us. We ask that in your name, Jesus, the grace giver. Amen. God bless you. Go listen and talk.